The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck. Like a rugged half-ton Tundra, workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design, the Tundra combines raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. And with the available iForce Max hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower farther than ever before. Or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma, delivering trail-dominating power and captivating style. The new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true. And with new available tech, this legendary truck is getting even better. And when you buy a Toyota truck, you buy Toyota dependability, meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. On his way to the end zone. I tell you what, that was a spectacular play. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. What a play! Off to the races! some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, Heath, and Ben. So last year, according to Fantasy Football Calculator's average draft position in PPR leagues, there were only two sophomore running backs drafted in the first three rounds. Two. And they were both drafted in the top 12 or 13, Josh Jacobs, Miles Sanders. We did a draft a month ago, about a month and a half ago now. There were seven sophomore running backs drafted in the first three rounds, the first 36 picks in our PPR mock draft. Unbelievable. All the way from Jonathan Taylor, who was a top six pick, to Cam Akers, who was 36. We welcome you to the show. Yesterday, we talked sophomore quarterbacks. This year, the uh, this week, or no, this day, today. There we go. That's the word I'm looking for. Today, the year two running backs. What? Anyway, what's up, Dave and Heath? Dave, welcome back. It's great to be with you here on Sunday, March 32nd <laughs> of the year 1994, uh, since we don't know what day or year or whatever the hell you were talking about back then. But this is an exciting group of running backs, and we knew that this was going to be a good class last year. Not quite at about this time last year, but maybe 10 months ago, we knew that it was going to be a good class. And lo and behold, one of the best running backs in the class wasn't even somebody that we were evaluating at this time. That's the beauty of football is that guys can still come out of the woodwork and be great and be ranked just as high as guys that we thought could had a chance to be workhorse studs for the next five years. Mm-hmm. Heath, what do you think about that? Seven running backs went in the top 36. And I think in a PPR league, I, I don't think that that's going to be much of an anomaly. There's there's a big seven. You know, it's Taylor, CEH, Robinson, Gibson, Akers, Swift, Dobbins. It's pretty good. Yeah, I don't know what you guys were talking about. I was looking up a Ringer article and it says that actually people <laughs> don't know what day it is because of the pandemic and it's completely normal and you're actually right. Yeah, and Dave said something about 10 months ago that it feels like uh, feels like yesterday. Um yeah, but uh, it is a it is an interesting crop, and I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to ask you guys to rank the top seven. Are you prepared to do that? Excellent. Oh, fully. Let's rank. I am. I'm ready. All right. He, the nice he, thing he is, like, I've done it such a great job of ranking them that this won't change from now until you draft in August. This is exactly the order that I will draft them, no matter what changes. <laughs> Perfect. It's oh, exciting to hear. I'll I'll say that I might change these. On a you know, based on information that I get or things that I learn at any point in the next four months. So hmm. I'm I'm going to stay fluid. Heath, you stay rigid. Should we have a reveal, Adam? Which how should we do this? Uh, 
Seven to one or one to seven? That's what I'm trying to think right now. Let's go. Let's go, se- let's go seven to one. Okay. All right. Number seven. Yeah. Go ahead. I have. Are you want to go first, Dave? I, I don't give a damn. Heath, go first. Uh, number seven. I have Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Ooh, I have wow. J.K. Dobbins. Okay. Uh, Which I hate, by the way. I hate that he's last on any list because I love him, but it's it's a situation. We'll get into that. These we'll are PPR, into. right? I, I yeah. yes, I hate it as well. That's why I have him at number six, J.K. Dobbins. And I've got Antonio Gibson at number six. I have Antonio Gibson at number five. And I've got Clyde Edwards Elaire at number five. So the bottom three names for Heath and I, Adam, are, are the same three names, just a different order. Yeah. Edwards Elaire, Dobbins, Gibson in some order. We'll recap the order. All right, Heath, who's four? Number four is Cam Akers. And this is actually like I I think these four guys may change positions quite a bit. To me, there's there's two tiers with these seven running backs. This is the bottom tier. Um, they all rank for me somewhere between 17 and 23 at running back. And then the top three are in a different tier, all inside of my top 10. And I feel like, uh, to me, there's a clear cut number one. I'm not going to change who my number one guy is unless his situation changes. The next three are in a separate tier behind that number one guy and then the three after. So one, three, and three would be the number of running backs in my rookie or sophomore year. We can't call them rookies anymore. Sophomore year tiers. Uh, and my number four is DeAndre Swift with the Lions. Okay. Heath, three? Number three is uh, very, very difficult for me. Um, and this is, the, I think, um, I'm going to go with DeAndre Swift. Oh, okay. I, th- I, I thought I was about to hear a different name there. I was going to be surprised. I have Akers third. I think he's got a chance to get more work and certainly be a factor in the passing game. He's three for me. So that leaves only two names now. Yep. And I have like in my top 100 or top 200, I have these three backs back to back to back so that they're that close. Um, But I've got Jonathan Taylor at number two. Wow. I've got Robinson at two. Jonathan Taylor is my one. I put, I already wrote James Robinson to Jonathan Taylor one. I was just so sure of it for Heath. Now I have to copy and paste. Wow, you screwed me up. Okay, James Robinson one. That's okay. And for Dave, James Robinson is two, and Jonathan Taylor is one, which is what I expected. Uh, to recap, now from one to seven, Heath goes Robinson, Taylor, Swift, Acres, Gibson. Who am I forgetting? We're getting Dobbins someone? and Edwards. Dobbins, Dobbins and Edwards Elaire. There we go. Okay. Robinson, Taylor, Swift, Akers, Gibson, Dobbins, Clyde Edwards Elaire. Dave goes Taylor, Robinson, Akers, Swift, Edwards Elaire, Gibson, Dobbins. Interesting stuff. All right. Go ahead. Number one, James Robinson. Why, Heath? Well, Over Taylor. Um, like, first off, this is starting my process just like it does early in the week starts with projections and he was the only running back who was good for a full season i was looking at it and there's like you can for most of these guys there was a good six game stretch oh it's so weird it's almost all of them it was six games yes it it was taylor Um, edwards elair acres dobbins and swift the five of them they had a great six game stretch that's basically what it came down to uh go on and really even (laughs) Clyde Edwards-Alaire had a pretty great six-game stretch except for touchdowns to start the year. Yeah, they used him. The Chiefs yeah. used him as a workhorse, and then yeah, nothing nothing else. So I just think with Robinson being that good, 
that involved in the passing game and better than Taylor on a per game basis, even with Taylor's flourish at the end of the year. Um, and now the offense is going to be better. Now they're going to have better quarterback play. Now they're seemingly going to have a better coaching. He might actually even be better. Okay. Why Taylor over Robinson, Dave? Uh, I think he's already in a situation where he can improve and be better in his second season because I mean, let's face it, there were, there were some games in his rookie year where it looked like he didn't know what he was doing. He had five games with 14 or fewer touches. That's a third of his games overall on the season. He finished top 10 in fantasy points, PPR points per game and consistency. It's hard to find that whole trifecta. I'm doing the macho man finger thing here. I don't know exactly why, but I, I think he showed by the end of the year that he could be dominant 19 plus PPR fantasy points in each of his final five regular season games. He had 15 PPR points in the playoff games. He looks legit. The offensive line is good. Will he lose work to Naheem Hines? Yes, it, it, it's going to happen. Hines certainly can play in uh, the, the hurry up offense, but I think that the Colts, especially with questions at quarterback, and that'll be the case, even if they add Carson Wentz, they're going to be a run focused team. They're going to lean on Jonathan Taylor. He's a talent. He's great. He's a better pass catcher than we even gave him credit for. He'll get better as a pass blocker this offseason, and he's got a chance to finish as a top five fantasy running back. I have a hard time saying that about James Robinson, even though there are some things to really like about Robinson with the coaching change that uh, that he's talked about. Yeah, you guys think Urban Meyer, or is he it the combination of... Five, he was a top five running back on a per-game basis last year, wasn't he, Robinson? No. Not according to FF today. He was close. I'm going to tell you. I've got him seventh. I got, nope. I got him sixth. Sixth. Eighth and nine, Six. sixth in PPR. He was sixth in PPR fantasy points per game, seventh overall, and 12th in consistency. Now, oh, he was really good. For a li- oh, he was so good. For a little perspective, though, uh, he was sixth per game this year, James Robinson in PPR. You put those same points per game, 2019, he would have been eighth. 2018 would have been ninth. So still great. Still top right. 10. It was a bad year for running back. So it's a little bit pushed up a little bit in that regard. I, I just think, and, and I know a lot of it's because of his pedigree and this may end up being true in the end, but like I was looking at those six game per game averages and Jonathan Taylor's six game stretch was on a different level than anyone else's six game stretch. No other running back besides Taylor, like Swift's final six games, 17.5 PPR points per game. Akers, if you include his playoff games, 16.3. Dobbins, 16.6. Dobbins, 16.3. Clyde had a 15.9. Those are like their best six games. James Robinson was 17.8 for the full 14 games that he played. I, I don't think it's fair to him as the guy that finished sixth in points per game last year to say he just doesn't have quite the same upside as the other guys. Yeah, but, but, he had, okay, so his 16-game pace, Robinson, was 1,616 total yards, 56 catches, 11 touchdowns. Clyde Edwards-Elair, before the Le'Veon Bell trade, was on pace for 1,819 total yards, 203 more yards than Robinson was on pace for. Wow. The same amount of catches, eight fewer touchdowns. Um, yeah. Jonathan Taylor in those six games, was on pace for 2,232 total yards. He's not going to get that. That's 600 more than what James Robinson right, was on but, pace for. Uh, I mean, that's so, that's the floor. Yeah, I'm just and I'm just <laughs> wondering if James Robinson hit his ceiling. The guy had five carries inside the five yard line all year. He scored on every one of them. 
he was the only running back with five or more touchdowns inside the five that had fewer than eight carries. So he was lucky in that regard. He had no competition. I mean, this guy got basically every single running back carry for the 14 games he played. Um, you look at number two on the team was Daria Gumbawale, who had 32 carries. 28 of them came without Robinson in weeks 16 and 17. So, and James and Chris Thompson missed half the year too. So, is there a scenario where this guy is going to get that that number of t- that percentage of touches? I'm just wondering if well, if James I, Robinson I would, did as well as he possibly could have as a rookie. It it's possible that he did. There were like still even with what you said and he did get most of the touches. There were still a third of the games that he played in where he played 62% of the snaps or fewer. There were games early in the year where they were throwing the ball to Chris Thompson. There were games late in the year where they were working in Ogumbawale. So I, like, I don't no, think no, it was, not not without not without like, uh, Robinson. Week not fifteen, with Robinson he, week fourteen, he played fifty six percent of the snaps. Week fifteen, he played sixty two percent of the snaps. Right, but I'm saying the carries. He got almost every carry for the team when he was healthy. That that may be true, but in those two games, he had 28 carries combined. It's not like he was getting 25 carries a game. Yeah, he wasn't a workhorse in like like Taylor was, and they were a terrible team. I mean, they had the they had the fewest rush attempts in the NFL, and and he finished as a top eight running back. That is amazing. Um, do do you worry about the pedigree? Do you worry about him being a one year wonder? Because every other guy we're talking about was a top 66 pick, Gibson being the last right. of that group. Most of them were first or second round. Most of them were second round picks. Do you worry about Robinson being an undrafted free agent and Philip Lindsay couldn't really back it up? Uh, you know, you see, I don't know. Are you worried well, but about to it? To be fair, Lindsay didn't have a year quite like what Robinson no. had. No, he was a great rookie year, but not not like this. You're right. But So I, I, I feel... I got a lot of feels on James Robinson. On one hand, the track record of guys that come out of nowhere, um, they have a hard time sticking around at that same level in the years following. And I don't have you know hard data to back that up, but think about the best running backs in the NFL and how, how few of them are undrafted running backs. You've got guys like uh, Arian Foster, who did who sustained success for a long time. I think that was the system that he was in. I think the system that James Robinson is going into will be a huge factor along with what the new coaching staff in Jacksonville decides to do at the running back position. If you look at the depth chart and you're Urban Meyer and you've got James Robinson at the top and then the guys behind him are, you know, the Daria Gumbawales and the, the Divine Rosigbos of the world, you're going to replace them. They're going to find other running backs to come in and not necessarily come to a 50 50 split with James Robinson, because one thing that urban Meyer has talked about is having that horse and think back to his great running backs at Ohio state. He likes having that lead guy, but he also likes having, um, he also likes having a mobile quarterback and that area that you were talking about, Adam, where James Robinson was so efficient on those short yardage runs, he's going to lose work there. So he might get more carries inside the five, but he will also lose work there, assuming that it's Trevor Lawrence, or, or even if it's Justin Fields, as the quarterback in Jacksonville. This is what oh, well. Urban Meyer does. He <laughs> constantly wants to have a mobile quarterback. You look at his track record, almost all of his quarterbacks, from Bowling Green all the way through to Ohio State, those guys would move, and they would score touchdowns. And Trevor Lawrence did a ton of that at Clemson, so it would be 
a seamless fit for Lawrence to come in, run the zone read inside the five. Robinson ends up with a handful of air, and it's Trevor Lawrence running in for a short yardage touchdown. That'll hurt Robinson. If the Jaguars find another running back that they like better than James Robinson, obviously that'll hurt James Robinson. We need to find out if Urban Meyer and company are just in love with James Robinson. Because if they are, then it's going to be smooth sailing. He'll be worth a first-round pick. But if they don't, and we'll get an idea of this based on what they do in free agency and in the draft and how they add running backs to their team, if they don't see him as a as a workhorse guy in the same vein as Ezekiel Elliott and Carlos Hyde and other backs that Urban Myers had, then you will see a split. And where did Daryl Bevel just come from? He was in Detroit for three years. He couldn't find that stud workhorse like he had with Marshawn and AP back in the day. He rode multiple guys. He'll keep doing that if that's what it takes to win in Jacksonville, which, by the way, will be a team. They'll, they'll be balanced. Urban has always been a big fan of running the football. But they've just, if they draft Trevor Lawrence, I mean, you know that they're going to put the ball in the air a decent amount of the time, and that'll hurt any running back that's in Jacksonville well, as well. But I just said he, his team ran fewer than any other team in football. So I, it will go up. They won't be 32nd again. Also, they were 30th in scoring. I, I looked at the last six seasons. Uh, how many running backs can finish in the top 12 and be in a bottom five scoring offense? There's one a year, basically. And nobody, the last time somebody finished higher than Robinson on a bottom five scoring offense was Todd Gurley in his rookie year, which was six seasons ago. And he was a little bit better than uh, than Robinson in non-PPR. He was about a point and a half worse per game in PPR. So that's how great of a season it was for Robinson. Uh, really just blew our minds and, you know, good for him. Very impressive stuff. Uh, we could probably spend a whole hour talking about him. He, let me talk about, let's talk about Jonathan Taylor. You have second. I, I know you think that people taking him in the top six or so might be reaching a little bit. And in those last six games, like I said, he was on pace for 2,200 total yards, but only 37 catches. So is that what, what's holding you back, the, the catches? Well, it's the catches and with all of these guys. Like when we were I, – I didn't get to – word in but when we were talking about i'm sorry these that's okay when we were talking about these paces that guys were on a 14 game pace is at least doubly more important than a six game pace like you can get in a whole lot of trouble looking back over the years for the best six game pace of a player's season and saying they're going to do anything close to that over a full season i think taylor's situation is a little bit different because he was an elite prospect and he was a rookie and we did have the pandemic and it shouldn't be that surprising that he got off to a slow start and then finally figured it out. But I do think that also such a large percentage of that is based on week 17 against Jacksonville, that that has to be factored in a little bit as well. Like, Was it? I, th- I thought he was good pretty much every week. No? He, he was good, yes. But he became like that six game stretch has that type of pace because he had 253 yards in it was only one of two games over 100 yards that he had in that six game stretch. You're right. He did score uh, seven touchdowns in his last four games. Another thing that's not going to be sustainable. Um, Yeah, sure. 16 game pace. If you throw out week 17 is almost 1400 total yards and 11 touchdowns. Yeah, that's not nearly as good as 2,200 total yards. Uh, okay, and you're talking about his 16-game pace. If you're just taking his last five games instead of the last six games. That's what you're saying? Or your full Me? season? No, I'm saying the entire oh. season. Oh, well, I, I guess... One through fifth, games one through 15. No, so, I right. When I, don't, I look at Jonathan Taylor of, as week 11 on, 
hoping that that's the kind of work you're going to get. Not the 30 carries against Jacksonville, but, uh, you know, routinely 16 or more carries or something like that. And, and I, I, yeah, I, I want to clarify, like when I argued about the James Robinson upside, I do think Jonathan Taylor has as much upside as just about any running back in football, except for the Naheem Hines factor. Like, I think he could be viewed by the end of next year as in the conversation for the best running back in football. He's he's incredible. That's Hines why you've got to take him. I'm sorry to cut you off, Heath, but that that's why you've got to take him. High to me, that's why you've got to take him higher than James Robinson is because he does have the potential to be the number one running back in in the game. Does he though? If he does, he have to be Derrick Henry basically because he just won't catch enough passes. Most he could uh, well. I think he might. I think he could end up catching a decent amount of passes. So he could be Derrick Henry with a splash of Saquon Barkley. Okay, and that just makes me drool all over the place. So you guys have one and two flip flopped. For Heath, it's Robinson Taylor. For Dave, it's Taylor Robinson. You also have three and four flip flopped. Acres and Swift for Dave. Acres three, Swift four, and Swift three, Acres four for Heath. And uh, Heath, you want the first word here? Why Swift over Acres? Yeah, I I wouldn't really make any argument strongly for Robinson over Taylor. Or like I think they were right there in, in the back end of the first round. This is the one where I probably have the biggest disagreement. Um, Swifts best six games were better on a per-game basis than Akers. Well, doesn't matter on a per-game basis. We're better in PPR than Cam Akers were, and he was better than Cam Akers before that stretch, and he's shown us the ability to thrive in the passing game, and he has a new offensive coordinator that loves, loves, loves to throw the ball to his running backs and is talking about 25 touches a game for DeAndre Swift. So I I think Swift belongs in the Robinson-Taylor discussion, um, I, but... I also thought Swift was more talented than Akers coming into the NFL. And so he was also better than Akers in a worse offense last year. I just, I think DeAndre Swift is in a different category than Cam Akers. I think he could end up being way better in PPR, but I'm nervous, Heath. I'm nervous about trusting him. I'm nervous about um, trusting anybody in Detroit. I think Detroit's going to be a bad team this year. Adam has already talked about and mentioned how running backs on bad teams typically do in fantasy. And there's one per year that ends up being great. And maybe Swift will be the guy, but there's a, there's good stuff that I really like about him too. And I agree with you that in the draft process last year, I like Swift better than acres just as a talent standpoint goes, he averaged three and a half receptions per game in 2020. He had at least three catches in each of his final 10 games. So we know that he could have, um, that type of role, that passing downs role that we saw Austin Eckler have in LA uh, with Anthony Lynn, who's now in charge of calling that offense in Detroit. I also like this stat. Nine of his 10 touchdowns, guys, were from inside of 10 yards. Mm-hmm. Those yeah. are his total touchdowns. Uh, all of his rushing touchdowns were uh, from yeah. six yards. I know. Closer. I saw that too. And, but how about this? The Lions last year had 17 running back rushing touchdowns which blew my mind. That's as many as they had in 2018 and 2019 combined. Uh, So that was very unusual. And Peterson, I think, had seven of them, and Swift had eight of them. They had 17 as a team. This is usually a team that's, that's under 10 rushing touchdowns per year. You have to go back to 2013 that they had more than 10, or more than 11 rushing touchdowns by running backs. So I don't know what to make of that, but that was extremely unusual. Um, Whereas the Rams... Four years under McVay, running back, just running back rushing touchdowns, 15, 19, 17, and 12. 
So the funny yeah. thing about what Heath said about Acres or about Swift being better than Acres in those last six games, which is six regular season games for Swift, four regular season and two postseason games for Acres, is that it was really the touchdowns that were the the biggest difference. Uh, the and that'll continue too. to be the difference. Because and what do you mean? You think, well, we you know think more touchdowns for Swift? Because I think more touchdowns for Acres in 2021. That's what I'm getting at. And that's part of the reason. I, I think Acres can be better as a pass catcher, too. He only caught 11 passes in the regular season. I think he's got room to grow there. And he was dominating playing time by the end of the year. I think he played 96% of the snaps in one of the playoff games. It was uh, outrageous. Um, but you talked about the track record for the Rams and all the running back touchdowns that they had. That's under McVay. McVay is still there. I don't want to give as much credence to what you said about the Lions stat, about how many rushing touchdowns their running backs don't have because it's a new staff coming in. And it, I, I don't know Dan Campbell, but he strikes me as the kind of coach that would prefer to just lean on the run and start building the offense through the run game, kind of that older approach. That some, you know, not the same type of approach that other teams have, certainly not teams like Kansas City that have the dynamic quarterback. And maybe that's because the Lions don't have a dynamic quarterback, but they do have a good solution at running back with DeAndre Swift. I'm worried about the touches being there for Swift. The catches might be great. I'm worried about the carries to go along with it. I know he can handle short yardage duty. He proved that last year. How many of those opportunities is he going to get in 2021? And God help us if the Lions for whatever reason, keep Adrian Peterson. They're going to keep carry on Johnson because he's a cheap talent. But if they, if they either replace Peterson with somebody who's a physical back or they keep Peterson, that could hurt Deandre Swift from having even more touchdowns. But so I, I do think he's got a great PPR ceiling. I'm not going to fault you Heath for ranking him ahead of cam acres, but I think acres will have the edge in touchdowns touches and total yards. And I think he can make up for that with that production versus what Swift gives you on the ground and through the air and through receptions. Yeah, go ahead, Heath. Do you want to finish? No, or? I just, again, if this comes from like the projection process, what did they do last year? You can project that Cam Akers is going to score more touchdowns this following year, but it's also true that last year in short yardage, the Rams were just as likely, if not more likely to use a back other than Cam Akers in short yardage than the Lions were with DeAndre Swift. Yes, Adrian Peterson was a problem. Malcolm Brown and Daryl Henderson were stealing touchdowns from Cam Akers, and, and Daryl Henderson's still going to be there as well. How do you look at that, though, in the last six games when I don't know what the splits were in terms of near the goal line, but Henderson and Brown in the last six games had 30 touches and Akers had 143. So I'm just wondering if what you said is front-loaded, you know? Well, no, the touch split definitely changed, and but Henderson was also hurt for a majority of that time, wasn't he? I don't know about a, I don't know about a majority of the time, but it's clear that they gave the keys to the car to Cam Akers down the street right. in street. December. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's go to our last three then. Uh, so that would be five, six, seven, and let me just get the order here. For Dave, it was five Gibson, six Dobbins. Nope, this is Heath. For Heath, it was five Gibson, six Dobbins, seven Edward Zelaer. For Dave, it was Edward Zelaer, Gibson, Dobbins. So that's the not quite the reverse. All right, whatever. Um, Dave, you had Clyde Edward Zelaer fifth, and Heath you had in seventh. So Dave, why don't you start as the high guy here on Edward Zelaer? I just I, I want to look back on Edward Zelaer before he got hurt, before Le'Veon 
and Daryl Williams started taking work away from him. He had at least 11 PPR points in each of his first seven games and nine of his first 10 games. And then week 11 comes, he gets hurt. It looked really bad. Um, and, and it was just tough luck from there. I, I think the, the Chiefs end up going right back to Edward Zilaire as their first back on the field. Um, hopefully he makes improvements as a pass catcher so that he can start taking that third down role. But I, I almost feel like there's there's a lot of room for him to grow. I think that's pretty obvious to say. Um, he, he He's still a good talent. We saw flashes of it this year. Uh, I know that not working short yardage goal line absolutely sucked, especially in week one. You remember that first game against Houston? He just he couldn't get in, and the offensive line was bad. Obviously, the line in the Super Bowl was was a huge problem for Kansas City. They're going to address that, uh, and and I'm I'm hoping that the Chiefs see a better version of Edwards Elair in training camp. He has a regular off season, and he combines the flashes that he had as a rookie with the strengths that he had at LSU to become a do-it-all three-down running back, and I'm willing to take the chance on him late round two, early round three if he's there. I think he's absolutely worth taking uh, as a number two fantasy running back. And Heath, why are you going to take Gibson and Dobbins ahead of Clyde Edwards-Elair? I just feel like we kind of, it may end up proving true in year two, but I feel like we kind of got duped a little bit by the Chiefs feature running back thing. And Clyde Edwards-Elair, the first six or seven weeks of the season, did get 60% of the snaps in every single game. After week seven, he had one game where he had more than 60%. He saw more than 60% of the snaps. That was, he that was with the Le'Veon Bell true. Got to point that right. out. That's, so the, what do you make of that? Right. Well, I, I make of it that they used him in that feature role for six weeks, and then they went and added someone else to not use him that way any longer. They also started throwing the ball so much more. They just stopped running. You know, they Which, change their offense. When you have Patrick Mahomes, it's probably the way to do things. Um, oh. I think there's a concern that there's a concern with his catch total. There's a concern with his touchdown total. And I like, and I think Dave would agree with this. Before he was drafted in the first round by the Chiefs, we thought he was at best the fourth most talented back in this class, probably fifth. He was and absolutely fifth. We well, yeah. now, so that's why I initially was a little down on him because I was, I think, a little bit in the CBS bubble. But I started looking at other sites. They did not feel the same way about Clyde. They were higher than CBS was, I would say, on Clyde Edwards Zeller. Well, it kind of looks like CBS was right. It might be. But, but we were also wrong because we bought into Andy Reid sprinkling pixie dust on Clyde, Clyde Edwards Zeller's head and him turning into. You know, Kareem Hunt times Priest Holmes, and it didn't. And a little Brian Westbrook, away. Sure, oh. throw a little Brian Westbrook in there too. Um, well, I, yeah. I don't. I don't think I cut off Heath. I'm sorry. Did you finish your point? Because I don't want to. I keep cutting you off. Um, but what do you think about Damian Williams and his role? How much of a factor is that? I have him factored into a similar role as Le'Veon Bell and Daryl Williams last year. Okay, I'm going to say um, something bold here. You guys can jump at me, please do. Other than Jonathan Taylor. The sophomore running back with the best chance to finish number one in this group is Clyde edwards Elair of these seven. He has the second most upside. Second highest. See, I, I get that. Um, I, would, I would make the argument that if Anthony Lynn is being truthful and DeAndre Swift sees more than 20 touches per game, he has a much better chance than Clyde edwards Elair. 
And I would make the argument that like J.K. Dobbins is just the Ravens deciding they're not going to split running back carries away from being a challenger for number one. But J.K. Dobbins could have 12 catches. And Edward Zeller had more than 50 in college in, in his last year, so we thought he was going to be really good at that. Yeah. Um, I mean, he had moments where he was. He just didn't get enough opportunities. It's, what was it's the Chiefs six? thing. It's, you know, like the Chiefs offense is going to be so much better than the Lions. And the Chiefs, like since Patrick Mahomes got there, the Chiefs just don't really throw to running backs as much as you would expect an Anthony Lynn offense to do at all. They've been below average in that regard with Patrick Mahomes at quarterback. So for 2021, rank them in terms of upside, just the top three. Who The three players with the most upside in this group. I'd say Taylor Swift Robinson. Well, if it's pure upside, it's Taylor one, Dobbins two, and... PPR upside? Yeah. Yeah, okay. If it's PPR upside, then it's got to be Taylor, Robinson, Swift. Because I think those are the guys that have 50 catch potential. And if we're just talking just like amazing numbers, no matter how they get them, I just think that Dobbins has all the talent in the world and he's just stuck in a... A, a situation that's, you know, bad for fantasy, good for him, good for the Ravens. And we haven't talked about Gibson and and Dobbins much, so uh, have at it. Dave has Dobbins 7th and Gibson 6th. Heath has Edwards Eler 7th, Dobbins 6th, Gibson 5th. Uh, but they are in your bottom three. So, Dave, Dobbins versus Gibson, you go Gibson, whereas Heath... Oh, uh, no, you both have Gibson higher, right? Yeah, one spot. Yeah. Uh, okay, but yeah, talk about these guys and um, what do you, what you expect. I'll give Dave, you, you can take Dobbins, he can take Gibson. So the talent with Dobbins is A+, which, I mean, I've already kind of referenced that just a few minutes ago, but it's the workload concerns. It's sharing the ball with Gus Edwards. It's sharing the ball with Lamar Jackson. And if he's going to share the ball that much with them, then... I don't see a lot of games where he's going to get 20-plus PPR points. He might get you 13, 14, 15, 16 in that range each week, and that's great. You'd love to have it. And he did that toward the end of the year, and he did it because he was scoring touchdowns, and a lot of them were short yardage scores, and, and that's awesome. But he's it's going to be rare where he's playing 70% of the snaps and he's getting 20 touches per game. And he's he's the one taking goal line work away from – both Edwards and Lamar Jackson. The Ravens can run the ball better than almost anybody in the league. Dobbins is a tremendous running back. He's a he's a specimen. But he is just sharing too much, and that puts a cap on what his potential really is, realistically is in fantasy. Gibson, Heath? It, there's a little bit of that with Gibson because of the J.D. McKissick problem. He did not have the year catching the ball that we were hoping he was going to have catching the ball, but he basically had 38 catches in, what, 13 complete games, 13 and a half games. So there's room for growth there. He was much better and more involved running the ball than I expected he would be. There is some pretty serious upside because in five of his last seven complete games, he had 17 touches or more, including a couple of 20 carry games. If they are willing to unleash him like that and he still catches three to four passes per game, then we're underestimating Antonio sure. Gibson a little bit as well. A hundred percent. And to me, that the biggest thing with him is the split because that line's going to get better. That defense is already good. 
he is in prime position to take over as potentially a 20 touch a week guy, but he's got to prove it. And he's got to kind of turn JD McKissick into JD mush kiss him. Goodbye. <laughs> okay. I got a couple of things to promote here real quick. I was supposed to do this earlier in the show, but what a nice conversation we've had about these running backs. So baseball's right around the corner. Make sure you're listening to the fantasy baseball today podcast. Um, you can also watch them live on weeknights around 10 p.m. Eastern on the Fantasy Baseball Today YouTube channel. So there's that. You can watch it on Twitch, too. But on the YouTube channel, on the Fantasy Baseball Today YouTube channel, you can watch their show live. But you got to be downloading. I'm, I've uh, started listening to the position previews. It's great stuff. Going to help me get prepared. It'll help you get prepared. You can listen to our show on your smart speakers. Just say, Alexa, play the latest episode of the Fantasy Football Today podcast. Or say, hey, Google, play the latest episode of the Fantasy Football Today podcast. And hopefully you are not listening on some other device right now in your kitchen, and I didn't just activate your Alexa or your Google smart speakers. So that's what we're promoting. Um, in terms of these running backs, let me ask you, uh, who has the biggest chance to just fizzle out? The guy that I want to use is Jordan Howard, but it's not really fair because he backed up his rookie year with like another top 12 finish. He just wasn't nearly as good. He just got a ton of work. But I think Jordan Howard probably tricked us into thinking he was some great running back, and it just wasn't the case. Uh, is there a better example, though, of a great rookie season and then really disappointing after that? I mean, who's got who's got the downside, the most downside in this group? The, you mean the, the seven running backs that we yeah, talked about? Yeah. And there are more I mean, than seven, and we'll get to them in a moment, but go on. Sure. I mean, I think you could say that about James Robinson as having that kind of downside. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know that Heath would. I mean, long-term, I think he's the risky, riskiest from a dynasty perspective because no investment from the team and new coaching staff in year two. So I, I would agree that like in dynasty, he would be the one I'm most concerned about. I I don't think like, and I, I don't know anything about Damian Williams' plans, but I I don't think it's really that hard to imagine a, a split with Damian Williams and Clyde Edwards-Alaire where he just busts next year big time. Yeah, and let's let's look at that downside. If Edwards-Alaire doesn't improve like I'm hoping, and he's not given the opportunity to work in passing down situations. And Damian Williams is back, and it would be kind of crappy of the Chiefs to not keep him after he sat out the year because his mom had cancer. He was worried about her, and he was taking care of her. If they cut him after he left the team for that, then that's bad karma. That's gross. Um, yeah, that could end up being something that really does hurt Edwards Hillary. I think he absolutely should be on the fizzles out list. If, if his first five, six games don't show any improvement, uh, you already know what Kansas City is going to do because they did it last year. Oh gosh, I, I just hope that there, there's not some sort of voodoo hex on Lions running backs because I remember getting it was broken. I, DeAndre Swift broke the hex last how, year. How do you figure? He had like 600 rushing yards. It did he even he have finished, that much. He was like 17th on a per game basis. Big deal. What, what does that mean? In a bad year for, for running backs, he was 17th on a per game basis. Who cares? I, I, this guy, he had 521 rushing yards. Uh, it, I don't know. It wasn't. Wasn't a special year. We've been excited about Amir Abdullah. We've been excited about Carryon Johnson. They both stunk in their second years, or they weren't involved just enough. Completely irrelevant. 
I, I, it probably is like, but like DeAndre Swift w- was better than Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, better than JK Dobbins, but like there's no, he was better than JK Dobbins in terms well, of fantasy points or in terms of he played better. Cause JK Dobbins was the most efficient running back in football. Yeah, YPC for life. He I would disagree with you there. He was. He was the he was the he had the best rushing average. What do you what do you suppose DeAndre Swift or Jonathan Taylor or Cam Akers YPC would have been in that I don't same situation been last six. year? I don't think it would have been six. So you think he's definitively more talented than them no. because of a six point oh yards no, per carry. But I don't but do you think that DeAndre Swift is definitively more talented than JK Dobbins? I'm not saying that. I think okay, he's going I'm not, to get I'm not saying, I'm not a lot more accusing, catches. I'm not saying what you're accusing me of saying. I'm just saying, yeah, look, Detroit's got a horrible track record here. And it wasn't just the Patricia coaching staff. It's been since 2013. They haven't had a good fantasy. Right. He was awesome I last right. year. He was awesome last year. He's going to be better this year. I am also treating it as if it is irrelevant. I just want everybody to know that. You just want to keep bringing it. Maybe you can find a Ringer article about it. I, okay, I was right about that yesterday. I was 100% right. The only reason why people might think I'm wrong is because Jamie challenged me, but I was right. And I well, was I'm not saying you weren't right. You I was were right. wrong to go on about the article as often as you <laughs> did was, on the podcast. It was a joke, Heath. I think we got some laughs out of it. Uh, all right, Zach Moss, A.J. Dillon, Keyshawn Vaughn. We'll talk about them when we come back on Fantasy Football Today. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. So those are seven running backs we talked about extensively. Are there any other year two running backs, Dave, that you're excited about? Yeah, the one that I'm most excited about is A.J. Dillon, who could end up stepping up into a much bigger role in Green Bay. That's never, ever a bad thing when Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback and the offensive line is as as good as the Packers line has basically been for the last several seasons. He's my next favorite guy. He's number eight for me. And I, I think there's a chance that if things break the right way, where Aaron Jones goes to the Jets or the Falcons and Jamal Williams goes to um, yeah, some other squad, I don't know, Seattle. And A.J. Dillon is the name at the top of the list. Okay, well, there's your lead running back for the Packers. And it's a guy who's built like Derrick Henry and has a coach that used to, who calls plays, who used to call plays for Derrick Henry. That could lead to a lot of big, big numbers. So he's got a ton of upside. And you're going to be able to get him much later on than the first seven rookie running backs on draft day for now. 
Heath, what about Zach Moss? Yeah. <laughs> Heath, I, don't be so optimistic. I don't like the situation. I don't necessarily believe he's better than Devin Singletary. I don't think he, either of them are going to be a feature back. I don't want to draft him. Buffalo's best running back in 2021 is not currently on the roster. Well, sure he is. No. He Josh just takes Allen. the snaps from the center. <laughs> nope. Not going to be him either. This is a team that I expect, and, and they said as much. Uh, the GM said as much that they want to really improve on their run game. I could see them drafting a running back in round one if they fall in love with Harris or ETN. Uh, and if they're not in love with either of those guys and they don't feel comfortable waiting for them, maybe they're the team that goes after Aaron Jones. But I think they try and fix their run game in a major way this offseason. They, they seem like more like an Adrian Peterson team to me. Oh, please no. Man, Aaron yeah. Jones to the Bills. I think be they've fun. been trying to Adrian Peterson it for a couple of years now, and and they just need to drop the drop the hammer here on the on the running back spot. All right, Keyshawn Vaughn could have some some playing time. You know, you never underestimate Bruce Arians' desire to mess with Ronald Jones if Fournette's out. Uh, so Vaughn's there. Uh, Josh Kelly started out good and then kind of faded. Michael P. Ryan, Anthony McFarlane. Darrington Evans would obviously need an injury. Uh, Eno Benjamin, I know people were high on, like from a dynasty standpoint, kind of high on him. Saw a little sure. bit from DJ Dallas. Did I say any names that you think could could work their way into fantasy relevance? Vaughn and Kelly maybe at the top of the list? Kelly for me. Um, I You look at the Chargers depth chart right now, and it's Eckler one and at number two. And we'll see who the coaches like there. Do they like Kalen Balaj and want to keep him in a physical role? Or do they like Kelly and want to give him a chance to be that 1B running back? It is a different coaching staff, but I still don't think that they're going to look at Austin Eckler and say, 20 touches per game, make him our lead guy or make him our, our workhorse guy. Uh, there's been a hesitancy to use Austin Eckler in short yardage situations for several years now. I would imagine that's going to continue. So whoever that second back is should be more physical than Eckler and could end up stealing maybe six touchdowns. We can be optimistic. Why the hell not? Six touchdowns from Austin Eckler over the course of the season. For now, Kelly, I think, is that guy. And so if I'm doing best ball drafts in February and March, uh, at least until free agency kicks into high gear, he's the one that I'm targeting as a low-risk, late-round running back grab. Ethan and I'll are, go with are, P. Ryan just because okay. he actually he has a possibility to be somewhat of a lead back on the Jets. I think the Jets and Jacksonville and teams like them now they some of them will will make poor choices. But when you're taking over a roster as utterly devoid of hope as those teams are, wasting good resources on a running back, it's like a 60 win baseball team going out and signing a 20 million dollar closer. It doesn't. It's not the not the right way to go about it. So hopefully for Jets fans, they go add all of the things that are not running backs, and Lamichael P. Ryan could have two hundred and forty touches next year. Yeah, who's the new head coach of the Jets? Robert Sala. Okay, and who's the new offensive coordinator of the Jets? Uh, we get burned by this a lot, trying to figure out. Oh well, he came from this team, so they're going to have these tendencies. It's well, but I think coaches adapt to their personnel. That's what I think. I think a lot of them do, but I think there could be a very strong philosophy that's carried over from San Francisco to the Jets, which is don't pay your running backs, don't go hog wild 
um, on your salary cap with them and then use them in groups of two, three, four, whatever it takes. So P Ryan, I'm saying P Ryan can have a role in that offense. I'm saying every running back that ends up on the jets is going to have a role in the offense, but I would, I would be kind of surprised if they, um, give one guy in that offense, 240 touches, but P Ryan's potential role is bigger than Kelly's potential role. I don't know about that. Really? I mean, how could that not no, be? You got Eckler there. Like, there's no way he's going to usurp Eckler. You know? No, I don't think he usurps Whereas Eckler. P Ryan, he's, I don't. I don't know if P Ryan can be the the one A in that Jets run game. I don't think he's. I don't think he's that good. I think Ty Johnson. Looked Kelly's better. awful. Kelly was pretty bad last year. We'll hmm. see what happens this year. Guys change. Guys can get better. Yeah. They're both late. Look, I'm not telling you that like, if I'm picking one over the other, I'm picking Kelly over Piran. But they're both in that late round running back range. And there's another running back that you didn't even name, Adam, who's in that late round running back range because he showed us something this year who was a rookie. Savan Ahmed. Uh, yeah. Ended up doing just fine for the Dolphins when Miles Gaskin was out. And I still think Gaskin is going to be the main guy for Miami unless they address that position somehow, some way. But Ahmed could end up having a small role while Gaskin's playing and then a bigger role if Gaskin ends up missing time. That is really interesting because whether it was Ahmed or Gaskin, whoever was the starting running back for the Dolphins Mm -hmm. was great, was really, really good. And I'm interested to see how that plays out. But they've got some draft picks, some capital. Maybe they could. I I thought they'd end up with Dobbins last year. Didn't happen. Maybe they will pick someone early in this draft. Heath and I are doing a draft right now, Dave, and through two rounds, Heath doesn't have a running back, and through three rounds, I don't have a running back. Pretty crazy. This is a baseball league? No, this is a, the Omni Fantasy. So I have Ooh, okay. <laughs> I have Novak Djokovic, the New York Yankees, and the Colorado Avalanche. Heath, what do you have? You have uh, the Las Vegas Aces and England. <laughs> yeah, the whole country. <laughs> I'm coming for you. I am. I, I think you should, since you're talking about the draft, reference the fact that I am the uh, returning champion. Oh, you won the you won last year when all the sports got canceled. I am the uh, current reigning champion, actually co-champion with Dan. But it's a fun. Check it out, OmniFantasy.com. Ben Gretsch hooked us up with it, uh, turned us on to it. It's it's a lot of fun. You can draft. We got NASCAR, tennis, college football, the NFL. The Chiefs were the fourth pick in the draft. It went Lakers, Djokovic, Alabama, Kansas City Chiefs. There's WNBA. There's different soccer leagues, football leagues. Some people say it's uh, it's cool. There's golf. Um, I'm sure you can customize it however you'd like. Uh, all right, let's. Uh, the news and notes are quick. According to Jason Budd of The Athletic, Hayden Hurst could see more targets in Arthur Smith's offense. And Pittsburgh general manager Kevin Colbert was, I don't know, a little lukewarm on Ben Roethlisberger. He said, this is a hot take. Ben Roethlisberger is on the team. Ooh. That's what he said. Ben Roethlisberger did a lot of really good things last year. We anticipate that he could still do some things, some good things going forward. <laughs> wow. Not a ringing endorsement there. They've got to cut his cap number way down. He's going to have to take a big pay cut. But... I don't know. I for I guess Dave. Like for me, this is the first time I feel like Roethlisberger really might not be back. I still think he will, but I would be pretty pissed if I were Roethlisberger and I heard that. Like, why why not just lie? And be like, we love Ben. We'd love to have him back. What's the point of like, saying this? What's Ben Roethlisberger going to do if the Steelers don't want him back? He's going to retire. Maybe he should. I don't think that. My yeah. guess is if Ben Roethlisberger retires, that they will have 
a worse quarterback in 2021 than Roethlisberger. They're in a major pickle because if if you don't want to pay Roethlisberger and he says, no, I'm just going to retire, what do they do? They're going to go to Mason Rudolph. I know that there was a report saying that Steelers are fine going into next year with Mason Rudolph as their quarterback. I'm not going to be fine with Mason Rudolph as their quarterback. That's going to make me nervous to trust Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool and if he's still there, Juju Smith-Schuster. The Steelers have to figure out something here. They need and, a one-year they, tank. Yeah, maybe. They were, I had a dream, were they, 11 I had a dream that they traded. I had a dream they traded three first-round picks and Chase Claypool for Deshaun Watson. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster was recruiting Deshaun Watson, I believe, right? You see that? I don't really... I don't think you're going to be on Pittsburgh. I don't really... Think, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what team he was recruiting him to, but... Uh, yeah, I don't maybe know. Maybe Fortnite. he was recruiting him to tell his team to uh, to call him. Oh, for Houston? Hey, get me on Houston? Something like that. Okay, uh, I was... Good. I don't know. I don't really think we have to talk... Well, we'll talk Dynasty. Sure, we can finish with some Dynasty talk. Uh, we did have an email that I wanted to read uh, from Fitz in a southeast suburb of Detroit. Uh, Flat Rock. It says, Dear Jonathan, Nick, and Josh. Those are either... Jonas Brothers or the running backs we're about to talk about. You all have Jonathan Taylor ahead of Nick Chubb and Josh Jacobs. Why? Upside. I mean, it's the biggest thing. I think he's got 2,000 total yard potential, 15 touchdown potential. In the case of Chubb, he's not he, he's sharing, but he's not sharing with a guy like Kareem Hunt. And uh, in the case of Josh Jacobs, he's more of a three-down player than Jacobs ever has been. Um. And I, I could be wrong about this. I'm, I'm looking it up right now. Um, last year in PPR, Jonathan Taylor scored 254 PPR fantasy points. I'm not sure that Josh Jacobs has ever done that. And I'm not 100. Nick Chubb scored 261 in 2019. Like... I know he didn't do it for a full season last year, but his full season numbers with that amazing six-game stretch are just as good as anything Nick Chubb has produced and better than what Josh Jacobs has done. Chubb was a half of of PPR point better per game than Jonathan Taylor in 2020. And both of them were like two points better than Jacobs in PPR. The thing is, Jacobs, and I, I don't know his YPC in his rookie year, but what if you took Jacobs' touches in his second year and his efficiency in his first year? That You would have one of my favorite Azer stats of all time. Please no, do. I'm just saying, I think he's a much better running back than what we saw last year. That's my point. I, and and my, he, got, he got so much work. And he got almost every carry inside the five-yard line. He, I think I said he led the NFL in percentage inside the five, or he was second um, So in terms of his team's carries. So I'm just saying, like, Jacobs finished as a top-10 running back, but he could still have a huge bounce-back year because he's a much better running back than what we saw last year, in my opinion. Sure, but if you're talking about running back talent... I mean, Chubb is among the best, and I think Taylor has a chance to be in that same vein. Chubb's the man. Um, I would also say that, like, generally, it's not that uncommon for efficiency to regress when you get more work. Well, he actually sure. he only got thirty more carries, but he went from four point eight yards to three three point nine yards per carry. 
Yeah, I, he, I'd probably, not, I think I've got probably got him projected at four four next yeah, year. He's four, not three. a three. He's not a three point nine guy. I mean, that's just well, their offensive well, line was in again, shambles all year. Yeah, there's no such thing as a three nine guy. There's three nine situations. Jordan Howard to me feels like a three point nine guy. Why do I, I pick on him? I don't know. He's been like a four point He's great GPA. <laughs> Whose first two years in the league were better, Jordan Howard or Josh Jacobs? Probably Howard. You tell me. Josh Jacobs know. had Josh Jacobs had like twenty three hundred yards and nineteen touchdowns rushing. And Jordan Howard in his first two years. Uh-huh. He had twenty four hundred rush yards and fifteen rushing touchdowns in his first two seasons. You can tack on another four hundred and twenty five receiving yards and a touchdown. So grand total, ladies and gentlemen, Jacobs wins twenty eight hundred total yards and sixteen touchdowns. Oh, that Jacobs more touchdowns, twenty six hundred yards. Very similar. So Howard is better. Great. So now we're 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 saying that Josh Jacobs is a little bit better or on par with Jordan Howard. Actually, <laughs> Jordan I can't Howard think of a better a, endorsement. Th- like, there's no question because as rookies, Howard was at 5.2 yards per carry. Yeah. Jacobs was at 4.8. Their second year, Howard fell to 4.1. Jacobs yeah. was at 3.9. It's definitive uh-huh. that Jordan Howard YPC for life. I would agree with that, uh, except I don't. Okay, dynasty questions. How many of the sophomore running backs are you taking ahead of Saquon Barkley in a dynasty, like a startup dynasty league? Who has more dynasty value than Saquon Barkley? That's a good question. For me, it's still zero. I still have Barkley at number two. I'm taking Taylor over Barkley all the way. And I'm not sure if I'm comfortable taking Dobbins over Barkley. So I'll answer one. Interesting. Okay. How about over Ezekiel Elliott? Um, two. Definitely two. Just three. Three for me. Is Swift your third or is Akers your third? Um, or, or, I'm sorry, it's got, probably Robinson. It's Robinson, yeah. Yeah. It's Taylor Swift Robinson. How about Josh Jacobs? Just Taylor, Taylor and Swift. Taylor and Swift for me. I think I'd say Taylor and Swift for sure. And you could put Robinson and Akers close to Jacobs, maybe ahead of them. That's a tough call. I'm impressed with my discipline that we've said Taylor Swift so many times today, and I haven't made any references really. Is to there, what? To Jonathan Taylor and DeAndre Swift. What? what we are else? never, ever, ever going to stop making that Ringer article joke. <laughs> I'm so glad I found that article. I feel so vindicated. Uh, which sophomore running back has the most long-term upside? Jonathan Taylor, right? Taylor, yeah. Taylor. Which sophomore running back has the most long-term downside? It's probably Robinson. Robinson or Edwards Elaire? I'm going to say it's Swift because he plays for the Lions. Uh, okay. <laughs> just I look. Hey, just maybe you're kidding. Right. No, I'm maybe. kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, all right, that's it. We're done. Thanks very much for listening, everybody. We've got uh, a weekend now coming up, and then we're coming back on Monday with the sophomore wide receiver. Yes, sophomore wide receivers. Can't wait to talk about it. Uh, We'll talk to you on Monday. Thanks so much. Make sure you're listening to Fantasy Football Today in 5. Ben Schrager is off next week, so that's two weeks. No power this week. Taking next week off. We miss Ben Schrager. We'll talk to him uh, in a week and a half. But everybody, enjoy your weekend. See you later. For Dave and Heath, I'm Adam. Later. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, 
part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts.